Want to know the tea on savings? During your mortgage application, you'll be showing your ability to meet your monthly repayments. One of the best ways to do this is showing regular monthly savings. But here's the thing. These savings can include any rent that you currently pay. Search Bank of Ireland Mortgages for more stunning steps to make your mortgage journey smoother. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Over 18s only. Mortgage approval is subject to the assessment of suitability and affordability. Property and life insurance are required. You mortgage your property to secure the loan. Bank of Ireland Mortgage Bank UC trading as Bank of Ireland Mortgages is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. The First Time Buyer's Bible by Bank of Ireland. Demystifying the home buying journey through conversations with experts. I'm back for another week at the First Time Buyer's Bible. Welcome, friends. I'm here with Shay Lally behind Houses to Restore. If you're not following, follow. Welcome. Hi, Laura. How are you? I'm good, thank you. So I think we were just saying it there, how a lot of people who have property Instagrams, people just think it's like an overnight thing, whereas you have an amazing background. You're you're working property. Can you talk us through it? Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up um, in a family business. We had a a contracting company, a home. So I was always around kind of building sites, old buildings in particular. We seem to work in a lot of old buildings. So I used to spend Saturday mornings at a young age being traipsed around the city. um, (laughs) And I absolutely loved that. And then as I got a bit older, I got a bit more involved, I guess, with the business. My dad had a business partner and he just made the point to me one day of having a solid understanding of numbers and kind of cost was really, really important. So that prompted me to go on and become a quantity surveyor. Um, I worked in the commercial side for a long, long time. And then I always had this idea in my head for like a platform that highlighted houses that needed to be restored. So during the lockdown in 2020, I just got this brainwave. I was going to set up houses to restore. I had hoped to get 750 followers and my plan was to post. Look at you now. And and I just totally exploded. It's taken over my life. (laughs) Meeting people like you. (laughs) I mean, it does that, doesn't it? You end up just meeting like, minded people yeah Yeah. that's great Um, and I've began to do an awful lot of work actually in the residential space even though I suppose my background is commercial and commercial fit out yeah yeah and you're doing like amazing webinars at the moment which is fantastic because you're letting people in on the secrets yeah and the stuff they they can you're making it accessible for information that's vital yeah the biggest thing I've learned since setting up houses to restore is people are afraid to ask very very simple questions and it's the simple questions that are catching people out or the answers to those yes. simple questions so I kind of build well I build a webinar around that and then I've also given people a platform then to ask questions within that um, so it's like little things like replumbing a house how to know if it needs to be rewired what to look out for when you're viewing a house so all those practical tips and then if you're planning a renovation like where to start yeah. essentially that's a huge thing and then another thing then is just the procurement process and just getting contracts on board because a lot of people are very naive and I don't know if that might sound a bit kind of cruel to say that but it is the reality like they just have never done it before oh I when I first started my job I was so naive like and the way like what we're going to cover in this week's episode we're just going to have a little snapshot into what you do in a larger version in the webinar so if you're hearing something in this episode where you're thinking wow I need to know more about that your webinars is where I can yeah, direct yeah, people to totally, really yeah, yeah, yeah. and your Instagram page as well yeah. it's just a gold mine of information so where we're going to start where a lot of people like we were saying there you go into these processes not really knowing and it's the simple kind of things that get you to where you need to be when it comes to surveyors people are usually going to instruct one when they're a first time buyer what are the kind of surveyors that they will experience and what do they take care of yeah I think for most homes 
homeowners, the two surveyors they're likely to come across are a building surveyor and a quantity surveyor. And a building surveyor is the person who's got to go in and do the pre-purchase survey. A lot of people will call that a structural survey, but it's essentially the pre-purchase survey to see what you're buying, just to assess the condition, the quality, and what state of repair the house or the apartment or the property you're buying mm. is in. So that's the building surveyor. And then the quantity surveyor, that's what I am, is quantity surveyor. And it's to do a cost, so construction costs. So they'll help you with budgeting. They'll give you an idea of how far your budget's going to go. They'll give you an insight into how you can undertake the work in phases. Um, and then if you keep them engaged throughout the process of the, the renovation process or the construction process, they can look after the procurement stage or the tendering stage. And then they can look after all the payments throughout the project from literally the first payment you make to the contractor to the final account that you agree with Stunning. them at the very end. They're like the queens of the survey. Like, <laughs> let's be honest, right? But they need someone else to do the building survey or you can hire them to do both no you need a building surveyor amazing it's, it's a different it's a completely I suppose the only thing there's two things that are in common one is, is that it's kind of property related or construction related and then the other thing is, is that there's the title surveyor there but they are two different disciplines so every home that you're buying will need the property survey done yes and then if you're doing works you'll have the quantity survey exactly stunning so now we know who's involved in the process yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do surveys cost you don't have to give a set price but what roughly should people hold back for their surveys for a building survey I think it's between about five and 800 euro depending okay. on who you Which use a lot of people think these are th- and I yeah, always yeah. say for the cost that a survey is compared to what you get from it, yeah, yeah. it is actually one of the cheaper items in oh, buying a house. Yeah. <laughs> People try and dodge doing it. They, yeah. just, they, they just think, I don't need that. You absolutely need it because mm-hmm. it's the biggest amount of money you're ever going to spend on anything. Yeah. And you need someone to come in and say, it's okay or it's not okay or it is okay, but be careful of A, B and C. Mm-hmm. So important that you know what you're buying. Yes. And that, like that's just a trained eye. Like If you're working in finance or if you're working... I don't know, in sales or tech, like property and construction are not your thing. Like your eye is not as good as someone who's going in and looking at things five days a week. There's just no two ways about it. Yeah. So it's the best bit of money. You're right. It's the best bit of money you can spend really. And it's really, I won't say pittance, it's a lot of money to some. In the scope. In the scope of things, it's pittance. Mm -hmm. I think it's something that you, it's something that is a no brainer to just get done if you're going to be paying other experts in the process you should pay a surveyor yeah. is a quantity surveyor around the same price no, or it varies so, yeah it would vary so like if I look at what I offer I do a video call um, with some people who are just looking maybe at their, they're, they're at the stage where they're looking at a house and they're kind of thinking god that needs a bit of work how mm. much is it going to cost us to do that so for the likes of that I spend about 45 minutes on Zoom with someone I charge 250 quid mm-hmm. um, and then I do a home assessment whereby I'll go to a house and I'll basically do an in-person version of the Zoom and then at the end I'll send them on a cost report and I charge 750 for that and then you can kind of engage further in the sense that you can go down the road of getting a bit of quantities done up for yeah. a renovation project and stuff and then you're into a couple of grand but you don't have to do that if you don't want to but I do think the the likes of a budget piece is very very important if you're so looking at important. something you need to realise can you actually afford to get this house to the level you want it at mm-hmm. um, and then the home assessment it's kind of as I say an in-person version of the Zoom yeah, incredible. And I think a lot of people will be listening thinking, wow, that's more affordable than I thought. Because you hear the word survey and you instantly think it's so much oh, money yeah. and that's why people tend to avoid it. Whereas having a quantity surveyor with expert knowledge of how much each thing is going to cost and how much to hold back for it, it's just worth its weight in gold. Oh yeah, totally. 
in the first time buyer journey, when do you think they should start to find their surveyor rather than leaving it to last minute when they need it? Yeah, so I'd suggest finding a surveyor at the early stages, link in with them, double check that they cover the area you're hoping to buy in, find out how much it's going to cost and find out what their lead in time is. So if you ring them today, like when are they going to get the site? Will it be next week? Will it be next month? Because they need these surveys need to be turned around. Quickly. Great tip, yeah. Yeah, it's quick. You know, it's, it's a speed thing to be fair when you get to that stage. But I'd only then phone them or get them to do the survey after your offer has been accepted. I wouldn't get the survey done before your offer has been accepted. It's very much after it's been accepted. And if you pick the right person or the right company to do it, they should have that report back to you in a few days. And really you want a building surveyor who's working with residential houses the whole time that it's essentially their bread and butter. Ooh, um, stunning tip. Yeah, yeah so that's stunning really, tip. really important yeah. because a lot of people get consulting engineers and stuff to do them and it's not what they do all the time. And you'll be waiting a long time to get a report off them because they're just basically writing loads of notes when they get to site and they're putting those into a document. Whereas if you get a proper building surveyor who really just focuses on houses, they'll have an app, they'll have some system of just doing up a report in a really, really quick space of time and you'll have it nearly immediately. And that's what you want. Amazing. And when they get their survey back, like I remember when I first got my first survey in work, I I was just like, oh my God, this is so many pages long, but it has a summary at the yeah, end. Yeah. So talk them through what they should be expecting when they receive the survey in their inbox. Yeah, well, I suppose I'm a very visual person. So I there's one company in Dublin that I like dealing with because whenever I see them send me a survey, I know it's going to be really, really visual. Yeah. And they have a categorized and they'll run through everything from, you know, the moisture levels, the heating system, and they'll have a photo against most things. Oh, I love so Plus, juicy. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So it's really easy to see. So for me, my brain is immediately engaged. If you send me reams of text, word after word after word, it's a disaster. Yeah, I'm you back know? in school. Really oh. boring. Yeah. So I think a really, really visual one. And if you're dealing with a good company, like you'll be able to see a sample or request a sample off them. So if you're someone who likes visuals, make sure they're giving you a visual back. If you're someone that likes text, make sure you're dealing with a company that's giving you the text back because we all kind of respond and react differently to to, to information. But within that, they'll assess every part of the house, basically. They'll do a full run through and they'll come back to you and let you know if there's any issues with it, you know? Yeah, amazing. That is a really good piece of advice, actually, just to ask for a sample of it. Because our brains work differently, don't they? Creative minds and then... absolutely, yeah. You know, people who just don't need the visual at all. Um, So you've seen so many properties but for the average person going into a viewing what are red flags that you're like oh my god just avoid yeah for me it's subsidence yeah the trouble with subsidence is that I won't say no matter how much money you put in but there's no guarantees that's not going to come back again yeah years down the line that's the biggest thing you know so I would avoid a house that has subsidence that's just me and I approach everything from how would I do it myself yeah so I don't give advice to others that I wouldn't follow myself mm-hmm. so that'd be my big red flag subsidence and you're not seeing that till you're in the survey I mean obviously the naked eye can see when there are things dipping yeah, but you're yeah. waiting till you get the survey saying yeah, this subsidence like there's some like there's some properties online and you can see in the, in the photos like there was a property for sale there recently on Griffith Avenue and I'd say two dozen friends must have sent it to me on WhatsApp asking me for my opinion on why it was so cheap oh. but there was subsidence in the house yeah. and there was big cracks and there were noticeable cracks and you could probably like you could fit at least one two euro coin into the crack if not two oh, wow. two two euro coins side by side like they were quite thick so we're not talking about settling in cracks like they were large cracks Yeah. Um, so if you go around like that's one thing you, you'll notice if the subsidence you'll see the crack 
cracks. Another thing is that like the floor and the ceiling should essentially be parallel. Yes. But if you notice they're not parallel, well, that'd be something maybe to question. And likewise, even just the corners of the walls, like if they're not kind of parallel with each other or the top of the door, like the architrave from the top of the door, and again, the ceiling or the floor, if they're not parallel as well, like, again, I'd be kind of saying, what's the story here? And that would get me then looking around to see if there's something more sinister at play. Yeah, I bring a marble on a lot of viewings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Try to see if it rolls. That's a good idea. <laughs> because I'm, I'm, a, I'm like... I better buy some marbles. I'm a weirdo in viewings, right? I literally lost yeah. a marble. It's like classic. I bring the weirdest little kit with me. I think I walk in and they're just like, oh, who is this person? Yeah, yeah. When I used to buy um, rentals, you get a higher price of rent if you can fit like a king-size bed into it. So I used to have a tarpaulin that I cut to the shape of a king-size bed. Yeah, yeah. And we had a sofa we always put in because I demand we always have to have a sofa bed in for tenants because they'll have guests. Yeah, yeah. You have to treat tenants. It's their home. You know, it's only fair. So I had this specific sofa bed to make sure that it would fit. I would take them out and put them into the room. And like the estate agent would just be like, she's absolutely crazy. But once yeah, they yeah. got to know and like I'd be putting a marble on the ground and it would just be rolling. But you re- like if it's rolling quickly. Yeah, yeah. You have to ah, investigate yeah. that yeah, more. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. So it's that sort of thing, you know. And even it's like I walk around like f- the floorboards. I walk into the corners, particularly in older houses, just to see if the joists are yeah. still solid or if there's a bit of a bounce in them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I literally walk around the perimeter room like inch around the perimeter of the room just to see what it's like and exactly like that people just think you're mad or I start bouncing on floors just to see what the condition of them yeah and then just knocking on walls and just to see what's load bearing because when I walk in somewhere like my imagination just starts going and I just start thinking okay we can knock that wall down we could do this we could do that we could do the other then obviously if it's a load bearing wall versus a stud partition you know it's the cost implication so Mm -hmm. you just have to do all these things essentially yeah and I think like even a simple thing is you might go into a viewing and people always say afterwards oh that house would be beautiful you just knocked through that wall when you're in there if you hear like a hollow sound it's plasterboard yeah like it's almost like you know that kind of like yeah 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 when you hear that it's like you're banging on concrete that's going to be a load bearing wall yeah yeah and no matter what if an agent or a friend says to you oh you can knock through the kitchen and knock through this just knock on the walls so you know like yeah yeah I think a lot of people get advice afterwards that just cannot be executed yeah yeah and you can just check that stuff yourself I won't say anything is possible most things are possible with money there's just, so, yeah. <laughs> there's just such a huge cost implication though yeah. if you knock a load bearing wall yeah. compared to taking down a stud partition yeah especially if you're in like an apartment or something like that oh, you yeah. know building yeah, and yeah. all um, absolutely a lot of first time buyers are buying a home that isn't a new build so it'll be an older home that needs some work done to them what would you say are like the top three most common works that they'll need to get done I think insulation is a huge thing particularly oh, at the yeah, moment yeah a lot of older houses just you know they're not insulated a lot of them have no insulation mm. so insulating the attic is huge insulating your walls be it internally or externally but insulating them uh, replacing windows and doors that's a yeah. huge thing heating controls um, upgrading heat, upgrading heating systems that's a huge thing as well um, and then in some houses depending like a rewire but really a house needs to be rewired about once every 35 years yes good um, to know so if you're in a place and you know that this is like yeah yeah, and it could it could need to be done a good telltale sign there is that like the sockets the switches they're all surface mounted yeah. um, that's a good telltale sign if you can see that there's sockets and they are stuck to skirting boards another really good uh, telltale sign if there's kind of twisted cables going into the lights again another good telltale yeah. sign uh, there's loads but that's what I'd say on that yeah so you can pretty much tell like the older home with yeah. that pricing wise for those things to rewire let's say a regular home let's say two bedrooms upstairs and a kitchen living downstairs what kind of price should people look at I know it's yeah. different for every property but is that a massive undertaking not that it's a massive
massive undertaking. It's just it's it's an expensive thing mm-hmm. to do at the moment. So for a two bed, you could be anywhere between about eight and fourteen thousand euro, depending wow. on yeah. what you put in, depending on how many points there are, how many lights there are. Another big challenge is the walls because they all need to be chased. Yes. Um, and that can be well, not that it can be. It is expensive because it's slow, and unfortunately, time is money and just because we have such a shortage of trades at the moment like yeah. everything's at a premium so mm-hmm. that's another thing to consider and in an older house the walls are more challenging to um, chase because they're more likely to be solid and they're yeah. really solid walls. we have that in London you know? and it's gotten to the point where like what's now trending are the exposed oh, wire covers the metal oh, ones yeah, painted yeah. black or red conduits yeah and it's like it's basically just going to be the look of yeah yeah it's like an older home yeah, they yeah. just made it look more modern because it is so difficult and a lot of these buildings have asbestos in them yeah, and yeah. once you get into that it's just cost, the costs are spiralling yeah, yeah. so I think people are now just working with the look of yeah no but it looks cool it's become a I think it looks look. great yeah. I'm always like at last my time has come yeah, like yeah. we're getting rid of all the grey interiors there's like this yeah. amazing network of wires over it's like it's a like, semi-industrial look oh listen I love yeah. Yeah. but then from the outside it's just like it's a regular block of flats but it is something people are there are clever ways if you are going to get someone in that you can do a more designed look that you don't have to chase behind certain walls yeah, yeah. but you've got to get somebody who really knows what they're doing oh, to do it it's still yeah. going to cost you money yeah yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so if you had a friend going in somewhere it was an older home let's say it's over 35 years the wiring definitely needs to be redone and they're going to be doing like heating and probably windows and things like that and insulation what would you say to them to just be aware of cost wise to hold back like it's going to be thousands of pounds but how much would you say is safe to have saved to be doing those works and make the house turnkey ready for them to go into before they start dressing it oh so uh, like I work off uh, two ballparks so for refurbishing a house it could be anywhere between a thousand and two thousand euro per square meter okay great yeah and then to extend you could be anywhere between about two and a half and four thousand euro so it depends on location it depends on access like access is huge like if you buy a house on a main road in Dublin and you have no rear access and everything's going through the front door it's going to be so much more expensive because like where are you going to put a skip oh we have that at the moment your materials you know whereas if you have a house in somewhere like Luke in the suburbs and you've like a driveway outside there's ample parking totally different job yeah you're not paying for the builders on street parking we're doing that at the moment and also they need extra labour on site because when a delivery comes in they just need to get it in and they have, it's on a main street it's yeah, in yeah. Bethel Green and it's like it is so difficult yeah. and I don't think we even anticipated how hard it was going to be because that particular postcode in London has way more rules than other places because it's okay. such a busy road yeah. we've done it before but not like that so that's access is such an important yeah, thing yeah yeah and in London it's a completely different level as well to be fair you know oh god yeah <laughs> like honestly I feel like the day I die they're just going to be like she could have lived 10 years longer if she just hadn't been involved in property <laughs> <laughs> so your friend that is the first time buyer is out there now at the moment what are the things you would say make sure they check when they're interviewing oh yeah that's a great one um, I'd have a look at the roof for starters I'd what walk. are they looking for like they they know absolutely nothing mm. they've never had an interest in it what are they looking for in the roof so externally I'd be looking at the ridge tile and seeing what the ridge tile is like so the ridge tile is basically the very top of the roof and I'd be seeing if it's straight because again if there's any dips in that it kind of comes back to this mm. subsidence thing it's like the little hairband the, the roof exactly wears, yeah it? yeah and it's like a, the ridge tile is like a triangular tile basically mm-hmm. um, 
So you want to just make sure that that's a straight line, essentially. That's the easiest way to describe it. Um, I'd be checking the chimney and around the chimney, I'd be checking the, the brickwork on the chimney to see if there's any gaps between the bricks. So that might need to be repointed. Um, I'd be checking the lead work at the edge of the chimney. So that's where the chimney meets the roof. Just to see if there's any like slipped lead because it's quite common for that to be the case mm. and if there's a bit of slip like if the lead flashing the, the lead around the chimney has slipped it's quite easy to fix but it's a little job that needs to be done mm-hmm. um, and then I'd be just checking the condition of all the tiles to see if there's any cracked tiles any slipped tiles because if you have a, a tile that's cracked or slipped chances are moisture is going to get into the house yeah that's an, you know? it's an access point basically yeah. for oh, rain yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly and then I'd look at the gutters and I'd look at the downpipes and just see like if there's any overgrowth in, in them because I often think if someone like cleans their gutters it's a really good sign of good housekeeping and if the house has been well looked after even if it's dated that's sort of irrelevant if it's been well looked after you're okay Um. But if you can see little mini trees growing out of the gutters and stuff, not a good sign. And then when you go inside, like gutters have a massive, massive effect on the internal condition yeah. because they can cause water to actually get into the building if they're not cleaned out and stuff, you know, if it's yeah. blockage. And the downpipes as well, when you see, like, I used to always go back and visit properties when it had been raining, if, yeah. if it's not like the height of summer. And you see these like damp patches yeah. where there's a crack in the downpipe yeah, and yeah. it's going right into That's the, the building. Yeah. yeah, And you don't see that when you're viewing it somewhere. No, no, you're right. And the trouble is, is that people think there's massive issues with that house when it could actually just be the gutter needs to be fixed or replaced or cleaned. Yeah. And they might think there's dampness or so, and there might necessarily be. So that'd be one thing I definitely recommend a friend to look at. The other thing then would be, we touched on already, the rewiring Mm -hmm. and some of the things that I pointed out there about surface mounted um, sockets and switches. Then the plumbing. So I just suss out what kind of condition the boiler is in and even just like to the untrained eye, does the boiler look new or old? You know, and you'll be able to tell if something looks new or old, you know? Google images now you can take a picture reverse image search it yeah, yeah. and it will literally bring you up the year the boiler was manufactured yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I do that. it's amazing I do that all the time I'm like oh and you can tell when the plastic is yellowing and things like that yeah, you yeah. can be like right, this, is, this is ancient but you can also see like if it's something that was manufactured in the past like 10 years 5 years because that matters when it comes to parts as well yeah, not just how long yeah. it's going to work for yeah no totally we were actually working on a building and like that they had a really old boiler boiler wasn't being changed and that's what the plumber said he said like they could get another 20 years out of this but mm. likewise if it breaks tomorrow and they try and fix it you're not getting any parts for this this boiler because it's just so old and that's but it worked perfectly you know mm-hmm. so yeah you're spot on in saying that um, I'd look also on a boiler just to see when it was last serviced so there's usually just a little sticker and it kind of says that's a thing you know mm-hmm. um, and then I'd look at the rads so if you see like big long single panelled rads and they're huge and they're really really long and they look way too big to be in the room that would indicate that the rads need to be replaced yeah you can um, tell can't you yeah even as the way they are they go into the floor yeah you know you can see that they're a bit older yeah 100% and you can have what's called gun barrel pipes or like much thicker pipes than the kind of standard pipes that we're used to now so that's another telltale sign that mm-hmm. if you see gun barrel pipes um, that'd be that so they'd be some of the things I think if you're buying a house you want to get it weather tight when you get it weather tight you want to get the services so the electrics the plumbing you want to get all those things sorted um, I think another thing that would be good to do in the house potentially before you move in will be replacing the bathroom because that can be a really messy thing to get done while you're living in a house yeah. now if, look if you have multiple bathrooms less relevant but if there is only one proper bathroom it's just something to consider so they'd be the tips that I'd I guess I'd recommend for a friend if they were 
They're excellent tips. I think they're things that people just won't hear that yeah. often. You know, people will go in and say, it's like when people tell you kick the tires of a car. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, you know, it's got fucking good tires. What about the rest <laughs> of it? You know, like, because <laughs> yeah. you can't, like, you know, I always say, like, check the entrances and, like, go back there at night and do yeah. all that kind of stuff. But there is, you want to make sure you've given a good scan or that you know if a surveyor is going out, there is going to be, there are going to be some problems coming yeah. back to you. You know, the yeah, surprise yeah at that stage of the process is not something you want to be doing no the other thing as well though just on that though before we move on just when you look at a house as well you might see like damp patches and stuff Mm -hmm. there's no harm to actually have a look then on the outside wall so you might notice a damp patch on the inside but go out and have a look and see if there's a problem on the outside wall and just see if there's any like cracks maybe in the render like in the paintwork or maybe like what I mentioned with the chimney like a crack on the the mortar between the bricks a moisture could be getting in there and that's what's causing that dampness so that might be an isolated issue people often panic about that and window seals are another thing if the window seals have broken or they're missing or they're loose that's going to let moisture come in as well and it's going to make like something very simple look like a much more sinister problem you get mould cropping up everywhere yeah. I would say it's like a hole in their coat yeah. you know the houses like lovely little rain mat just has a little bit of a yeah, hole in yeah. it but it can look like there is just a massive rising damp problem yeah, yeah. or something like that yeah, when it's isolated it. yeah. 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 <laughs> love a metaphor I'm going to use that one again <laughs> no do please please we can all share peers and property um, so we spoke about like that was a really good tip on making sure like your bathroom it is such hefty work to be done yeah. that's something you should that's a room you should probably start it's with. a filthy job though like mm-hmm. you're removing tiles and it's filthy yeah it really is it and is. also you're carrying so much stuff up through the, yeah. the flat or the house yeah, the yeah. whole time yeah. it is something as well that you'll rely on if you have people over or yeah, like, yeah. and also starting your day and having a bathroom that you can get into that's fully functional I think is good for the psyche let's talk about your type People differ, and so do mortgages. Some mortgages provide certainty when it comes to monthly repayments, while others can fluctuate up and down. Matching you to the right mortgage couldn't be easier. Search Bank of Ireland Mortgages for more stunning steps to make your mortgage journey smoother. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Over 18s only. Mortgage approval is subject to the assessment of suitability and affordability. Property and life insurance are required. You mortgage your property to secure the loan. Bank of Ireland Mortgage Bank UC trading as Bank of Ireland Mortgages is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. So I would always say to people live in a property if you can as much as possible before you start updating it because you've got to understand who you are in this space yeah. you could be totally different in than you were in the property you lived in before what would your advice be there? Yeah I think houses flow in a particular way and I don't think you're going to get the best sense of how a house flows until you actually live in that house yeah. and the way that house flows for you might be very different for how it flows for your neighbour or someone else who lives in the exact same house there's going to be things you're going to love about the house that you don't realise you love about the house um, there's going to be things about the house that you might like you might have liked initially but actually begin to drive you mad because they just mm-hmm. serve no function or whatever um, so I think living in the house is a really really good idea for those reasons Yeah, and you'll just get a better sense of flow and you'll also get like an idea of what your needs are mm-hmm. and you, you know you, you might go into that house and say well look I don't need a utility room I don't need this I don't need that but then it'll become very apparent no actually I do need these things because mm-hmm. or you'll realise you need storage or whatever the case may be you might have had something in a previous place that you were living in you totally took it for granted it's not in the new house and now all of a sudden you realise I need that 
Yeah, and you so, prioritize that work. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I think that it's a really good idea to live in a house before you move into mm-hmm. it. And a lot of people are, I won't say precious about it, but they want to move into something new. That isn't always feasible. But as you say, there's definite pros to living in the house for a while. Yeah, and I just think even understanding, I had a friend put in a load of built-in furniture, like a built-in dining area. Yeah, yeah. And we, whenever I go to her house, we end up sitting in her living room and she yeah. always said that she's like, I wish I had just built that into another part, but it cost so much and it was joinery and everything. Yeah. She hadn't lived in the space. Yeah, she had yeah. a Pinterest image and she's like, I want to recreate that and I remember thinking like oh that'll be fab but there was just no experience in the property or how yeah. it felt in the evening what the warmest room was where it would be next to a radiator you know that yeah, kind of yeah yeah that makes complete sense yeah that loads of people could do that you know Low. oh my god we've been guilty of it at work so many times like I often lie on the floor of in a space and I'm just like why where's the kind of like energy coming from like I have windows here I have this where's the noise in the room where's the roots in the room where's all the places that storage would kind of sensibly be and you think about the roots and the pit stops and the pathways and everything through a space it really helps you rather than just looking at aesthetic yeah yeah that's a very good point yeah I love it honestly I might rub that one as well um, we should, <laughs> do, a, we should yeah. do a project together yeah. can you imagine but we would have so much fun I'd be like we're under this and you're like not yet <laughs> <laughs> speaking of right if there are things that now this is what my experience would be at work is there's some work that costs you money it needs to be done first you will get no joy out of the aesthetic of it what are the jobs that you would say like you've touched on it there like weatherproofing the home things like that what are the first things you would get done before you even think about painting a wall it will be the weatherproof. Like, make sure it's weathertight. Make sure there's no way any moisture can get into your house. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't do that and you go and you get floors done, you get it painted and all it looks lovely, as soon as you have a bad bit of weather um, or it's cold out, the cracks are going to begin to emerge. You're mm-hmm. going to get, you know, yellow stains on your walls from the moisture that's seeping through. So you need to get the house weathertight. That's huge. And the other thing as well is, and I know I've harped on about it already, the insulation is huge as well. Yeah. So, I, like, at a very minimum, I'd be insulating an attic. And how much does it cost to insulate that? Like, I'm all about the price essentially, sorry. <laughs> um, I suppose anywhere like 1200 quid upwards, like yeah. depending on the size of the... That that surprises me because that's actually worth its weight in gold again. Yeah. Like that's a job that is so important. Oh yeah, it's huge. Because if you decorate, like I've seen it happen to friends and I've seen it happen at work. People haven't weatherproofed. They've put a lot of money into the aesthetic and then they start seeing mould behind bookshelves and there's that panic that they've got to then strip out what they've paid for. And then like retro weatherproofing after you've done a refurb is a nightmare. Oh yeah, 100%. Mm -hmm. And so many people do it. But they don't mean to do it. They just do it because they just don't realise the importance of actually sorting out the issue with the moisture. And it's the most boring stuff you'll spend money on, but it is so worth it. And it's half the headache of the rest of it. So we spoke about quantity surveyors and I was saying that they're the queens of the surveying stage. So when you are buying a property, you've gone through all the stages, your quantity surveyor, you'd probably get in after you've had the keys again to come in and price everything up. If you haven't done it already, how would you advise utilizing your surveyor in the best way? I think it's a case of being honest and being honest about how much money you really have. Um, And then also outlining your needs. So you know exactly what you want and you know exactly how much money you have. And then the quantity surveyor will let you know whether that's achievable or not. Mm-hmm. and I think a big issue is a lot of people go they talk to an architect architects are amazing they're so talented they do have great designs but the trouble is that the design is often done in isolation to the budget yeah and you're uh, like another balcony I'll yeah. do another I'd love an extension <laughs> and then your quantity over here is like oh absolutely so that's the trouble you realise that you actually can't afford the design essentially so if you have a quantity surveyor, they'll be able to say to you look 
hold the horses here, there, or yonder, or whatever. But the other thing as well is, if you really, really fine-tune it, and you work with a good quantity surveyor, you should be able to outline the things that you have to do. So, for example, if you want to build an extension, you have to build the extension. Like, structurally, that extension has to be built. You have to get the wiring done. You have to get the plumbing done. You may need to insulate, depending on what condition the house is in. But then there's other things that can kind of wait if they have to wait. So, for example, you need a kitchen. You need a bathroom. Like yeah. You definitely need those things. However, you might like the idea of a skylight and some people like a roof light. And I've seen some people sacrifice maybe a roof light over utility room presses when they should have actually put the skylight on the list first and then waited six months when they can afford to get to utility presses because yeah. they're never, ever, ever going to go back and put that skylight or that roof light into no, an extension. No, it's so cosmetic with the storage. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like the bones need to be right. Yeah. Mm. So that's, that'd be a huge thing. Like, And if you work with a good quantity surveyor, if you get the things you really need to have and if you get that in the bulk of what you do initially, certain things can wait. Like you don't need to put a floor and skirt and boards into a guest room that isn't likely to be used for a while or a spare room. Um, and you just be drying your washing in there anyway. <laughs> exactly. You know, so it's kind of being pragmatic, pulling the things out you don't need in the here and now and doing them then at a later stage. So that's also a bit of the value that you'll get from a QS. So is you'll, you, if you kind of start with the end in mind, a good QS should help you get there in the longer term. They're just, I just think they're fantastic when people are like oh, I might skip that stage I'm like you've no idea how vital this is Yeah, yeah. and you can hire them to be with you and like hold your hand through the whole yeah, process yeah. as well which is fantastic because yeah, yeah. if you haven't an awareness of how to start the process and hire people and get people going and instruct them and figure out the stages of the build they're just worth they're worth every penny absolutely and speaking of that how do you pay for a reno like Let's say I'm getting my bathroom, my kitchen and some rewiring done. Yeah. And there's going to be plastering and done everything afterwards. Are you paying people 50% deposit up front? How do they work like that? Typically, well, like, I suppose typically in Ireland, it does depend on the contractor. Like, there's no hard line for, I know for us, like the refurbs that we do, we charge 10%. Mm-hmm upfront as like a booking deposit mm-hmm. and if we're ordering something like windows for example the window supplier is going to want 50% of us so we'll also request that then off the client so it'll yeah. be a 10% across the board plus then any additional amounts like the 50% for windows yeah. um, if you're getting a kitchen depending on who you're using some kitchens 100% upfront some are 90 it just depends on the manufacturer that you're using Um so that's typically how, how we do it and then what we do is that we submit then a progress claim every fortnight so we'll basically give them a copy of the, the pricing document or the quotation we gave them at the beginning and then we'll put a percentage against each item so how how much of each item essentially we've done these strike the fear of God into me which the progress ones sometimes okay. sometimes we have great contractors yeah yeah and I'm like tick here we go and then other ones are like we've reached 100% of what we quoted you for yeah, we've only got half yeah. of it done but a quantity surveyor will help you make sure that you're on track with that yeah, kind of yeah. stuff you know no, I think 100%, yeah. that's through experience of like knowing like the teams that you need on it you yeah. know but the progress report is incredible because it keeps you on track yeah like the great ones like the ones you would do yeah they just keep you aware of the process and how it's going you know checking in not expecting that you're just going to instruct someone they're just going to come back in two months and it's going to be done you don't want it that way anyway you want to be checking in as much as possible during it yeah 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 so we just do that we submit one then every fortnight so the client kind of knows where they stand and then we just get drip fed money then throughout basically mm-hmm. every two weeks. Yeah. So people should be expecting to be paying as they go. Yeah. Really. Yeah. But one thing I would avoid, avoid is, is like going down the road of a contractor to send you an invoice and saying, you know, power payment 25,000 euro because you're not quite sure what that 25,000 euro is for. And yeah. I've seen a lot of situations where people have maybe forked out 75,000 euro to someone on a job that's worth 100 grand 
and when they're at the point that 75,000 euro has been paid only 50 maybe 60% of the work might be done yeah. so there's a big difference between what's being paid and what's being done and then as a result the contractor isn't that motivated then because they kind of have the money you know yes. um, so that's another issue so you just need to be careful so that's why we like to kind of be honest with people be transparent and that's why we do up that progress claim like yeah overspend. they're amazing we don't yeah, get the yeah. progress ones we just get the bills being like <laughs> we've overspent yeah, we yeah. underquoted you know because yeah, costs yeah. can spiral on certain oh, bills yeah, absolutely but that's why like companies like yours they're the people that you hire to make sure that they are on yeah, it yeah. themselves absolutely <laughs> when people are looking at a project even a small reno or to like managing an extension what are the areas that you think people should just definitely leave to the professional like I always say anything behind the wall is none of your business if yeah. you're not if you don't have the trade for example or yeah, you yeah. haven't upskilled in that area what are things that you see people taking on and get overwhelmed I think strip out is one thing a lot of people will try and do but you can actually do a lot of additional damage if you don't do it properly I agree I yeah. see people saying I'll just clear this before we start yeah. the project I've had colleagues saying we'll just do that in a weekend Yeah, I'm thinking I'm not doing that in a weekend oh, yeah, skips yeah. getting rid of it like yeah. people don't think about that no and another thing as well is when a contractor gets into a job and they're starting the demolition they get a feel for the building so once they start them work the work kind of tends to be a little bit quicker anyway because they kind of know what way it's being built or what way they need to go about something so true yeah, yeah. so that's one thing another thing as well that always surprises me is that most, not most people, but a lot of people would try and paint the place themselves. And the interesting thing is they spend a lot of money on things like nice light switches and plug sockets and fittings. And then they go in and they do sort of a sloppy paint job on it. And it just takes the look off everything. Um, I think that's another thing. Like that's maybe just the OCD coming out and me <laughs> kind of looking at it. It would just make me feel a little bit uneasy. I know what you mean. You may as well finish. And also a lot of people don't realise that like when you're painting freshly plastered walls, they'll go in with their expensive paint and they don't yeah. realise that like that drinks up. It's yeah. like hyaluronic acid when you're doing your skincare. You need to give it something to drink first a bit of water otherwise it'll just end up soaking all of the good product up so like people won't know when they're not expert painters that they need to water down their cheaper paint first give it something to drink and then put on their more expensive ones they'll go through pots and pots of paint without even realising it 100% yeah Mm. you're right yeah so that's just it's always a thing that I won't say makes me laugh but it kind of does I just I don't understand it it wouldn't be for you no <laughs> but just some of the as I say the money that's spent on fixtures and stuff and often yeah. they just get lashed out of it with paint yeah that's so true you know? <laughs> and even when you hire someone in to do a really good finish like mm. painting does finish it finishes things off really totally well pull, totally yeah. pulls the job together yeah yeah it really does and the way someone prepares for painting that's how I can always tell a really good contractor they'll spend way longer preparing for the paint job than they will the actual paint yeah. so a lot of times you're paying for that yeah. like putting on the, it might just seem like they're just putting paint on the walls but they're not they're sanding everything down they're evening out the texture like we've got contractors who will spend days prepping a property and then they'll only spend a day or two painting, painting yeah you know so there are two big things um, that a lot of people definitely try and do and I think there's pitfalls in both Okay, yeah, interesting. That's been a gorgeous conversation. I think people will have learned a lot from it. So thank you so much for your time coming in. Thank you, Laura. If you had somebody viewing a property now on Saturday and you're just wishing them the best of luck before they go in, what words of wisdom would you have before they pop onto that viewing? I suppose not to panic. Take your time and don't kind of put yourself under any pressure. Have a look around. Consider what we've discussed there about, you know, ridge tiles, subsidence, moisture, dampness, all those things. And if there's nothing too alarming jumping out at you, you know, proceed proceed with caution in a sense because the sale might fall through through no one's fault. It just might, mm, yeah. even if your offer is accepted, it might just fall through. Um, 
So don't be deflated if that happens. And just remember that like there are loads of, I suppose, professionals out there who can help. Like you're building surveyor BM1, um, architects, quantity surveyors, loads of people. Amazing. And they can find you at Houses to Restore. Exactly. And I would a thousand percent recommend the webinars. Thank you. Let's talk approval and principle. Finding your dream home takes time. And that's where mortgage pre-approval comes in handy. For your approval and principle, simply have a lender assess your creditworthiness and give you an estimated amount. With Bank of Ireland, you get 12 months approval and principle, giving you more time to get it right. Search Bank of Ireland Mortgages for more stunning steps to make your mortgage journey smoother. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Over 18s only. Mortgage approval is subject to the assessment of suitability and affordability. Property and life insurance are required. You mortgage your property to secure the loan. Bank of Ireland Mortgage Bank UC trading as Bank of Ireland Mortgages is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.